The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus again, in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast. But they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and the fatted cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away. One to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in and met the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet, cast them into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Must have been now 22 years when I first came here to St. Clement's and they wanted me to kind of fix up the place. But before I could do anything, before I could change a light bulb, fix up a bathroom, take down a wall to extend and enlarge in a room, I had to ask the superior of the house permission. And then he would ask the members of the community that were living here if it was okay. And usually along the chain of command, somebody would object to what I was trying to do. Well, it sounds like that. Why do you have to do it now? It sounds like it's going to make a lot of noise. It's going to be a lot of dust. How much is that going to cost? So I really was restricted to what I could do, and the, and the job really dragged. So my provincial, who's the guy that's in charge of everything, he's the guy at the top of the food chain, he wanted to be, meet with me to give him a report of what I've been doing. So I went there, and the first thing I talked about was, that I said, the boiler eats up the whole house, but it's really should all the rooms should be really zoned. And when I was trying to explain to him about the heating system, he threw up his hands in the air and he says, I don't know anything about heating. I don't know anything about boilers. I don't know anything about uh, construction. That's why I brought you here. He says, I want you to, you do anything, you just do what you have to do. You don't need my permission, you don't need anybody's permission. You are my trust. 
And he said to me, I trust you. Now, when he said those words, I trust you, it was like the shackles just fell off my hands and my feet, and I was just breathing a new life. It was like that I was, that, that, that there was energy, was fizzing through my veins. I got excited again about the job. So the first thing I did is I called my father and I hired him to be the, the, the super on the job. Then I got old colleagues and friends that were in construction before I came in the seminary and I gathered them together. And then I consulted uh, professionals, people who were knowledgeable, and I, I just gathered them around myself. And the job was going terrific. At the end of three years, when we were just wrapping things up, my father said to me, he said, Peter, if you brought architects in to look at this job, they would tell you it probably would have cost you millions of dollars to do. He said, you did it for thousands. He said, this was a miracle. And it was. It was a, it was a, it was a fantastic experience. But it all went back. If you follow the dominoes, all the way back to the first one that fell, you would say it was, it was because somebody said to me, I trust you. Now, here's my point. Can you imagine if you said that to God? If you said to God, I trust you. It would be like the shackles falling off his hands and his feet. You would be able to give God a chance to do really great things in your life. Remember the story of the multiplication of loaves? Sometimes I, I, I picture myself being there, that I was a part of that. If that happened, it would have been a disaster. Because I would have had the five loaves of bread and two fish, and I would have went to the Lord and I says, look at, you know, I've been doing the math, and I figured it out. I said, the five, five loaves of bread and a couple of fish are not going to feed 5,000 families. So here's what we'll do. We'll send home the 5,000. They'll find something to eat, and then we'll use this bread for ourselves and the other disciples. And I think that that's the best thing to do. And you know what the scriptures would say after that? It would say Jesus was not able to do great things that day because Peter Grover would not trust Jesus with five loaves of bread. Here's the reality. Every time Jesus did something great in the gospel, healed something, saved the world, it began with somebody trusting in him. It began by saying, somebody saying, I believe in you. Remember Job? Job, the story of Job, he had everything. In the ancient world, he had everything that anybody would ever want in the ancient world. He had a big family, had lots of cattle, money, big house. And God, as you know, the story took it all away. Gone. And at first, Job accepted it. He said, well, you know, if we can accept good things from God, is it not right that we should accept the evil that comes into our lives? But then... Three of his friends came by and started to talk to him and started putting little things in his head, saying this and that. And then Job started to think to himself, yeah, you're right. Yeah, God isn't that just, is he? That's not fair. He did something that, wasn't, that was wrong. Is it that the, scales, the scales of justice do not balance out. So he's thinking about all this, and he turns to God, and he says, God, I want to put you on trial. You were not good. So God says, oh, sure. So he sent a whirlwind to bring... Job up to the heavenly divine court so that Job could present his case to the divine court. But before Job could say anything, God said, before you say anything, Job, I just want to thank you. 
I just want to thank you for, for all the help that you've been giving me all of these years and through creation. Like, for instance, I want to thank you for helping me know how many gallons of water it takes to fill up the ocean. And I want to thank you for helping me figure out how to get a bird to fly. That idea about the wings that attached to the body, I thought that was fantastic. And I want to thank you for telling me how many pounds of rocks it takes to make the Himalayan mountains. Boy, that was a backbreaker, wasn't it? But thank you for helping me. And thank you for helping me figure out the distance between the earth and the sun because you don't want the earth to be too hot and you don't want it to be too cold. We got it just right, didn't we? Thank you for that. And oh, by the way, thank you for helping me pick out the colors of last night's sunset. If I asked, if I asked Peter Grover, he would have, the last time he painted his room, it looked like pea soup. You can't ask him, but thank you, Joe, for helping me figure out the colors. So, Job, thank you for everything that you've been doing to help me. Now, what was it that you wanted to say? And Job, <laughs> he didn't say anything. What he did is he took his right hand and put it over his mouth and said nothing. Because Job knows that I am not going to give you any advice. I'm not going to tell you what to do anymore. Because I trust you. You know, I think God loves that prayer. I think he loves it when we take our right hand and put it over our mouth. Because when we do that, we're saying to God, God, you don't need my advice. You don't need my suggestions. You just do everything that you need to do in my life because I trust you. Here's the faith lesson. When you say to God, I trust you, Get ready. Because that's the first step. That's the sign that God is going to do something really great in your life.